What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins, joined as always by David Lake. It's a bye week for the Hurricanes, so that means we're going to talk some recruiting. Miami's coaches expected to hit the road this weekend and see some of their top targets in the class of 2020. Before we kind of touch on who we think they will be saying, Let's talk about Miami's newest commit. Uh, the Hurricanes got some good news on Wednesday when uh, Miramar three-star safety Brian Balaam announced that he was going to stay home for school. David, I know you had a chance to watch uh, Brian at Miami's Paradise Camp back in June. It feels like that was so long ago, but yeah, you kind of came out of that thinking, hey, this is a guy, and uh, just kind of your thoughts. I mean, I was at Paradise Camp. I was focused more on the OLDL than kind of the linebackers and running backs, so... What are your initial thoughts on this take? I mean, it kind of comes a little bit out of a weird time. I mean, Miami, I really don't think has much momentum on the recruiting trail, but this is them kind of landing what I think is probably a a talented under-the-radar kid. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I've only seen him in the seven-on-seven setting, and and I haven't seen him in pads yet like you have. Um, But from what I saw of him, both in the team camp during the summer and at Paradise Camp, He's a guy who's who's pretty good in coverage. He can read a quarterback. Uh, he he has good instincts that way, and and he has the athleticism to get off a hash and and go pick off a pass. I think I've talked about it before on this podcast, but um, at Paradise Camp, he made back to back nice picks off the hash, kind of just playing cover two. And went and go chase the ball on the sideline and came away came away with two interceptions. And clearly after those plays, Manny Diaz uh, was intrigued. He went over and talked to safeties coach Ephraim Banda following that play. And, you know, I, I think that was kind of the genesis of, wow, this guy's a dude. We need to get on him and get him in this class. And, you know, you alluded to it. I think his ranking is is maybe a little outdated. Maybe that gets updated here as his season progresses and and overall i think he's a good take a good uh south florida defensive back take um you know especially when you consider like it's Jaden francois and brian balaam you know if, if brian is the only safety miami ends up signing maybe that's not the best case scenario but you know you have a guy in Jaden who might be more of a more of an early impact type guy who can play as as a sophomore-ish and Brian's a guy who maybe you're redshirted and you feel good about it, um, you know, two or three or four years down the road. I think he does have some ability that's that's intriguing for for Miami's defense. You touched on a lot of things I do agree with. Um, let's kind of just take a step back and look how this commitment kind of came to be. I mean, Miami initially held a, a commitment from Ladarius Tennyson, the, the two-way star out of Rockledge, Florida, um, he I, I committed to Auburn a few weeks ago. Miami was involved in that, but it seems like really after Paradise Camp, if you talk to the people that make the decision in, in Coral Gables, they seem to have liked what they saw more out of Balaam at Paradise Camp, just in one-on-ones and how they moved than, than Tennyson. I'm not saying they didn't want Tennyson. Yeah. I'm not saying he's better than Tennyson, but just kind of from the end of June to now, the tone kind of did change and maybe that's a little bit of Miami realizing hey we might not get Tennyson but it's not like this was a backup plan and, and a sense of panic I think Balaam played his way into a spot Ephraim Banda went uh two weeks ago to his game against South Plantation liked what he saw and then 
they kind of made the decision, hey, we want to take this guy. There is also a, a third safety in the class, Keyshawn Washington from South Dade. Um, he's Jaden Francois' teammate. I mean, I've seen all three of those guys play in pads this season. I would probably put Balaam uh, ahead of Keyshawn Washington. I'd also put him ahead of Justin Hodges and Marcus Clark, uh, Miami's two other defensive yeah. back commits, even though those guys are probably are they going to try him out at corner. I, I don't think he's as athletic as Darren Branch, the kid from uh, Louisiana, who they, they think they're probably going to use as a striker. But Balaam, he can move. I saw him against St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, you know, he's a four six three guy on the lasers in the 40-yard dash. I think he plays that fast. He's very physical. I compared him on Wednesday um, for one of our VIP pieces for our subscribers. I, I think he reminds me in some ways of Amari Carter in terms of personality and how he hits. I also see some Rayshon Jennings in him, or Jenkins, I should say, excuse me. Um, but yeah, I think it's a yeah. good take for Miami. I think it makes sense. Um, it also kind of not gives them a safety net, but let's say if Jaden Francois were to bounce later in the season, I think he, it, it, there's some security there, if that makes yeah. sense. Like Now that they have a guy in the boat, I think in previous years, Miami would have chased uh, someone all the way down the road, and then all of a sudden... They're, they're left empty-handed at the altar. They're going for a guy who maybe doesn't fit their style and their system. So the decision was made. And it's also interesting that Brian decided to jump on board now, just kind of given the general state of the program. I mean, I'm not saying it's this is this is there's like some black cloud of smoke coming out, but Miami's two and two right now. And this is a kid who was in Orlando for the Florida game, the week week zero loss against the Gators, and he was at the Bethune Cookman game. So um, I think Ephraim Banda deserves a lot of credit here for getting a guy who wants to stay in and south florida and uh make miami good again i mean this is what the new yeah. recruiting protocols are looking for like taylor made to a kid like this i think it's interesting so in our you know in the outline you sent me for this podcast you asked you know broadly who does he remind you of and the guy who i thought he is similar to is rayshon jenkins so it's interesting you kind of agree there just because i think he's a guy who you know he's not purely a coverage safety and he's not purely an in-the-box guy. He's that versatile safety that can do both fairly well, like Rayshon did. And, you know, Rayshon was a guy who, um, you know, he played a little early, but he had to take a redshirt, I think, because of a, a, an injury and then ended up uh, being a productive older-type safety for the Hurricanes in Ephraim Banda's first year uh, as a head coach on the staff. So... I definitely think that comparison is a good one. And, you know, if if he does end up uh, fulfilling that best-case scenario of being Rayshon Jenkins, he definitely deserves a spot in this class. Oh, Ephraim Banda, position coach, not not head coach. I don't want... I don't want the oh. backlash coming. Backlash coming at Did you. Did I on. say that? Sorry. Yeah, you yeah. said it. It's it's all good. Um, one interesting note I, I think with Balaam is he told me he will not early enroll, uh, which is kind of interesting because it seems like the rest of Miami's class is on track to early enroll. So uh, I kind of was asked this question on our message board, and um, if you guys ever want to ask questions on the message board, you know, feel free. Miami. Does. 247sports.com. Got to get that plug in right there. But someone was saying, what is the current state of, of kids who are planning to enroll early? So Balaam was commit number 24 for the Hurricanes. Um, we don't really know how big this class is going to get. Right now, by my count, I did the math. I think they have about 20 scholarships available. That number could grow. I know Marshall Fuse on scholarship. I don't know if that's a, a full scholarship 
scholarship or that's a semester by semester. I think Jimmy Murphy's in the same boat. Am I right there? Yes, correct. Okay. Those are two and then, yeah. And then Scott Patchen, do we know if he's coming back for a sixth year? No, nothing has officially been said. I know uh, Todd Stroud hinted at it that that might be explored. But I don't yeah. think, honestly, that can even be explored until after the season. Right, right, right. And then, I mean, so I'm just saying they have 20 available right now if we basically count every possible guy staying. I think there's a chance there's some more attrition. Guys like, you know, Tyrick Martin, Zach Dystra. Uh, I think there's a chance they could bounce. Of course, guys could leave for the NFL. Trajan Bandy keeps having his name linked to that. John Garvin, DJ Dallas. I mean, right now, today, I don't think any of those guys, but... We've been down this road before in the past. Kids have kind of surprised you. So, sure. and then you got the quarterbacks. I mean, Nikosi and Tate Martell. I think there's probably a chance one of them is going to leave uh, sure. if you're a betting man. So, I think that number could grow. But the bottom line, what I'm saying is, Miami has space basically for 20 early enrollees. And right now, by my count, there's 17 kids in that commitment in that class that are planning to early enroll, which is absolutely huge. Because this past spring, Miami only had three. And I thought right. when we were in spring practice, that really hurt that team. I mean, especially with the scrimmages and, and the mock spring game. No, you're right. I mean, in the spring, uh, bodies are at a premium. And what was it at corner? Miami was extremely short in the spring. Uh, you know, many other positions, too. I think running back was tight, some some scrimmages. So, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, anytime you can get these freshmen in early and get them a part of your program and acclimate it, acclimated that's a good thing who do you who do you think is the key freshman that will benefit most uh, coming in early well let's go over the guys the guys we don't we know for sure that aren't going to early enroll so it's Balaam Elijah Roberts who's, who's the kid out of uh, Miami Columbus they don't allow it Willie Moise the defensive tackle out of Hollywood Chaminade those are two private schools that don't allow it I don't think Marcus Fleming is I'm not sure on Darren Branch, Quinton Williams, and Marcus Clark. Those guys I've mentioned in the past as a possibility, uh, and they're not really sure. So taking a look at who's actually planning to come in, I, I think it's got to be the offense alignment, right? I mean, I don't want to say, uh, you know, that I'm not hoping that they come in, or I'm not saying Miami's probably hoping that they come in and, and, and develop and play like Zion Nelson, but I think anytime you can get some of these lean offensive linemen, um, like a Chris Washington or a Jalen Rivers, get them in that strength program early. That's extremely big because that puts them six months ahead of everyone else. What about you? I would honestly, I'll just take the easy answer and go Don Chaney, just because I think that running back, you know, assuming DJ Dallas continues to produce like we saw the first three games of the season, there's a chance he might leave and, and get give a shot to the NFL, you know, and, you know, that running back room at that point would look a whole lot different. And I think that is a position that is one of the easier ones to come in and play right away. And, you know, I think Don Chaney is, is a guy who definitely has the mental aptitude to pick up a, a college playbook fairly quickly. And, and of course he has the physical gifts to be special. So, I think it's it's a big deal to get him in early in the spring because he could be a key contributor to the offense as a complimentary running back right away. Another group that we should probably talk about and people are probably like, this is the obvious answers and linebackers. I mean, all three of the yeah. current linebacker commits planning to enroll early. 
We've talked about it at length in the past about how they're going to have basically zero depth at linebacker next year, or I should say really experience. Um, that changed with the announcement that Zach McLeod's probably going to redshirt now, but getting those guys in has to help. Uh, I don't think Corey Flagg will probably... Well, he, he says he's going to be back for hit the playoffs, but with that MCL sprain, I don't know if he, he's going to be a full go. I'm still kind of skeptical there. But getting Tyreek Austin Cave and Alvin Mathis in for spring football is going to be huge. I mean, that creates a ton of competition because now those guys are competing with Bradley Jennings, uh, with Wayne Mitzdeed, with Avery Huff, with, with Sam Brooks. And a lot of those guys are going to be pretty much on the same level playing field. We can talk. We can talk about linebackers now and Zach McLeod and transition to that with with recruiting. I guess with McLeod, you know, taking a red shirt. Um, do you not that it changes anything with the commits, the guys that are currently committed at linebacker? But do you feel like that changes things with, you know, the last because they are kind of chasing one more linebacker maybe in this class, whether it's Ruben Hippolyte, Hypolite, however you say his name, or Justin Flo. Do you think having McLeod back next year impacts things for those kind of high-level linebackers that are looking to come in and play right away, maybe? I don't think so. I mean, I could be completely wrong, but I I really don't. I mean, I think Miami was probably going to take a grad transfer if McLeod okay. wasn't coming back. I mean, what do you think on that? Well, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, are you mainly saying that because you feel like Flo and Hypolite are long shots? Well, I think Flo is a long shot at this point. I mean, I, okay. I mean, I just is Miami's not going to go and beat Georgia and Clemson for uh, a linebacker on, right. on the West Coast. I mean, I know he's visited once on his dime. Um, he could come again for an official visit. I just um, let's call it how we see it. We've been sure. down this road before, I agree. and I, I, I don't, I don't think so. Now, Hypolite, I, I think they they might have a better chance at, at landing. He's probably a guy that's going to look at the depth chart, but. I honestly think you'd be an upgrade maybe over the one of those three linebackers that they currently have committed. So right. I'm not saying that they're going to try to drop and, and add him, but I think it could get interesting if he really wants in. Right, right, right. And then I guess, you know, today on the site, Andrew, you had an article where you kind of broke down the top remaining targets, right? Um, I guess take us through that. Who Who of that on that article do you feel like Miami has the best shot at landing. <laughs> well, that's a that's a good question. I was actually asked, asked that. Um, who 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 do you think Miami has? Uh, who who would you put money on that that Miami signs? And right now, the the answer, to be honest, is I I, I can't guarantee or really project any of these guys to end up at Miami. Uh, let's start at the top of the board. Uh, tight end Darnell Washington. Um, the five-star out of Las Vegas, the physical freak. He's like 6'8", uh, 250 pounds. It's basically LeBron James playing football. He was at Paradise Camp back in the summer, just took an official visit to Georgia. Georgia currently leads on the 24-7 sports crystal ball. I know tight ends coach Stephen Field will be at his game on Friday. Uh, Darnell keeps telling reporters that the plan is to visit Miami uh, right before the early signing period, uh, kind of when it counts more. So we'll see. I think he's odds are not in Miami's favor. Again, I just said it. It's going to be hard to beat Georgia at any recruiting battle. And former Miami Titans coach Todd Hartley's there, and he's trying to sell Darnell Washington and Theo Johnson, who's another top two four seven tight end, on on being a two headed monster, just like he did a couple of years ago with Will Mallory and Brevin Jordan. And he was able right. to get both those guys. So uh, not looking good there. 
The next one to bring up, Isaiah Walker, the local offensive tackle um, from Miami Norland, right down the road from Hard Rock Stadium. All signs continue to point for Florida with him. He visited there, I think, once or twice already during the season. Going to be back on October 5th for the Auburn game. Miami's still very much alive in this recruitment, but he keeps naming the Gators his leader. Uh, the Gators are, what, 4, 5, and 0? Oh. I, I just I can't see that one right now. Moving uh, to some other offensive linemen, one guy who Miami got out to uh, the Central Michigan game that we haven't really talked a lot about, or I would say just the, the Canes media in general hasn't, is Marlon Martinez, the offensive lineman. Right. Uh, or offensive guard from St. Thomas Aquinas. He's currently committed to LSU, but it seems like the Hurricanes feel as if they have some traction here. David, I know he was a guy that was at the opening Miami all the way back in February. I mean, have you watched his tape? Do you know anything on him? Yeah. Well, he's I view him mainly as a guard. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, he's, he's, he's probably going to be a guard. Though. Right, but you, got to, you also got to think. I mean, Miami lost the guard in, in Cleveland Reed. I mean, if Ja'Kai Clark... Sure. Is, is playing over those other guys, it, it clearly is an indicator that they don't like what they have, even on the interior of the line. I mean, we want to keep talking about the tackles and all that, but this whole u- unit in general is struggling, and I know Devon and DJ are, are, are working on the interior, but those guys are going to be gone eventually, you know, in two or three years. So you got to kind of start restocking uh, those bodies in the middle. What did you think of him? Because you saw them play against Miramar, right? What did you think yeah. of him in that game? I think he's a guy that that fits exactly what Barry wants to do. I mean, he's pretty athletic. Uh, he's very nasty. He had a few pancake blocks. If Miami's able to maybe flip him uh, from LSU, which isn't going to be easy. LSU's winning a ton of games. Their offensive line's awesome. But yeah. his family does have, I, I think they're of Cuban descent. Um, so we'll see. I think that's one to keep an eye on that Miami fans probably aren't talking a lot about. But uh, if they could get him, it, it would it would be big. Other offensive lineman who's kind of over on your side of the state, Caden Baker, uh, the lengthy tackle from Fort Myers, visited Miami twice in the spring that hasn't, but hasn't been back. I mean, it's kind of one of the more weird recruitments we've seen in, in recent cycles just because he doesn't really do media, and it's not like he's some five-star baller. Yeah, I mean, his there is a lot of mystery surrounding Caden, but he's that body type that, Butch Berry likes, right? Like he's a former basketball guy. He's what, six foot six, two sixty ish? Yeah. And, you know, so who I get and I think I've read somewhere that his dad might have even played at Florida State. But that is, I guess that is true. FSU's not really in it though, right? Who is in it competing with Miami for Caden? Well, the, the his coach told our North Carolina site that it was like North Carolina, Indiana, and I'm drawing a blank on the third school. Let me, Pittsburgh? Uh, on. Oh, yeah, Pittsburgh or something crazy like that. So we'll see. I, I, I want to know if Miami sends Butch Berry to see him on, on Friday night or or what. Because I just given how things are going with Isaiah Walker, um, I think they, they would love to get a guy like this to pair with Chris Washington and Jalen Rivers in that class. And if you pair those two. Uh, Jalen Rivers, Chris Washington, maybe Caden Baker and Antonio Smith. I I honestly think that's a good enough haul. I also yeah. wouldn't be surprised maybe if they looked to a junior college option. I think I think they could go that route again, especially at, at offensive line, I should say. Right, right. No, I agree. So, and then is there anyone else on this list you want to run through? Let's talk about. Uh, well, let's we could kind of talk about Jalen Harrell, the the edge rusher out of uh, 
Tampa Berkeley prep. He's going to take an official visit to Miami in December. I think a lot of Miami fans are like, whoa, you know, we have plenty of numbers at, at defensive end. They got three guys already committed. Quentin Williams, Chance, uh, Chance Williams, and I'm drawing a blank on the third one. There's a, there's a third DN committed, isn't there? Romello Height? Yeah, Romello Height. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think um, it's interesting that they're still kind of recruiting him, but uh, at the same time, it's also smart. I mean, Manny told the reporters when he was going over these new protocols, or maybe I wrote it, I, I can't even remember what it was, that if you're looking, we're going to be looking. And we, we, me and you have, have touched at length that we think that Romello is a guy who the SEC schools are going to go after. Yeah. Uh, I think he showed up up on Auburn or he's he's shown up on multiple visitors lists. Some people think he might visit Auburn this weekend for their home game. So I think it's smart for Miami to keep just kind of a car, another option in that back pocket just to be ready uh, in, in case Romello were to defect. I don't, I'm not saying he is, he seems to be pretty locked in, right. but it's a smart move by the staff. Obviously uh, Romello's probably better than Jalen Harrell, but yeah. again, they're trying to not go to that all and be left empty-handed and this week Miami offered or made a move on a local guy who's a little under the radar but he's not anymore clearly he's kind of seeing his stock explode his name is Douglas Emilian and he goes to American Heritage High School Fort Lauderdale yeah Uh, Mike Rump's old school man what do you know about him like tell us about him (laughs) it's kind of crazy um how this? Because yeah, I saw him walk into the game on Saturday. He was at the Central Michigan game. A Miami staffer was like, "Oh, I'm like, oh, who, who's that?" He's like Douglas Immelman, man. He's he's a dude. He's a dude. And I was like, "All right." Like I thought he was just tossing the kid a bone or or something like that. Then two days later, LSU offers him a scholarship. A couple hours after that, Cincinnati offers him a scholarship. Then West Virginia, and then bam. Miami offered two days after that. I had heard that the Hurricanes were actually hoping to offer him uh, during the game, but something happened. I don't think maybe he stayed around or or something like that. So uh, he's off to probably one of the best starts in the state uh, for wide receivers. I mean, we always talk about late bloomers or guys who kind of come on. I mean, what's crazy about the recruiting process now is we know about these kids from such an early age like let's let's go back to like mark yeah. Britt. remember mark Britt? he was committed like now he's like a he everyone is caught up to him everyone's just as right. fast as him and it seems like douglas emelman or emlin and i'm i'm going to his practice on thursday i'll i'll report back on how exactly to pronounce his name uh but he's someone who I, I think he's got five touchdowns through three games and the game that everyone in the recruiting community is kind of talking about and I'm talking about like college coaches. Is he is American Heritage went up to Jacksonville Trinity Christian. He had like seven catches for 80 yards and two touchdowns. And Jacksonville Trinity Christian secondary features Clemson five-star cornerback commit Fred Davis and Georgia Tech four-star cornerback commit Miles Brooks. So it was against some dudes. And if you find that huddle, I think we've linked it on the site. You know he's getting past Fred Davis. So this isn't a guy who like is. I know a lot of people want to give the staff kind of some trash that they're just combing around it and trying to find some hidden gem. I think this is a guy who's legitimately probably been overlooked and a legitimate power five talent. What type of receiver is he? Like, is he a six foot speedster guy? Is he a small slot type guy? What, what type of guy uh, is he? So he's like six feet. Um, one, I think he's like 175, 180. I think the word I keep hearing tossed around, he's a very, very polished runner. I think his shuttle time was like in the four two. Hasn't run a forty yard dash. There's like a reported number of like a four seven. I think he could be a guy 
I not like a Mike Harley. Maybe I, I see some Mike Harley in him. Maybe some KJ Osborne. I mean, I don't think he's a burner. I, I wouldn't compare him to a Jeff Thomas or uh, a Mark Pope. But I think he's a guy who, like I said, he, he's polished. He runs good routes. Uh, he catches with his hands. Uh, he, he has a knack for getting open. So I think it. I I, I think if we're starting to realize that's kind of what Taylor Stubblefield wants in a receiver. And if we look at this recruiting class, or I guess what else is kind of committed, I know uh, Michael Redding isn't really listed as a big body receiver. I think he's like 6'1", but I think he plays much bigger than that listing. Yeah. And then Marcus Fleming, you know, he's a 4'4 guy. So he would be a good complement to kind of those guys, at least in my opinion. And then another receiver that was on your list, Daz Warsham, I guess – is Miami really in this still? Like, I know he visited in the summer, decommitted from Alabama soon after that visit to Miami. Pretty much but committed to Miami. <laughs> right. Um, you know, but it seems like Alabama keeps fighting for him, right? So, like, is this, does Miami really have a chance or is he just going to end up at Bama? I think if Bama wants him, he's going to go to Bama. And I think they're trying to figure out right now if they, if they want to keep him. I mean, Miami's keeping an open line of contact, but I think the, the the staff knows that this is probably going the other way, which is why we're seeing them start to evaluate other wide receivers. I know Douglas yeah. Emlin was the the one we talked about. He's not the only receiver Miami's talked to. Um, they've made some run or try to get involved with wide receivers committed to other Power Five schools, uh, some local ones, but they haven't uh, had much success there. I mean, they they're trying. So uh, I. I think the ship with Daz has pretty much sailed unless Alabama's like, Hey, we don't want him. And we will see. I mean, maybe it could circle back to, to Miami, but right now uh, I think it's Alabama again. Um, I, I'm not sure yet if the hurricanes are going to go see him here during this, uh, this bye week but I, I think it, not that it would be a waste of time, but I think they could use their resources a little bit better. All right. And I got to pin you down now who, <laughs> if you're, Place it if you were making odds for the best Miami's best chance to land one of these guys, who would it be? Oh, do we talk about Brian George, the, the junior college cornerback? No, not yet. No, uh, we, we can mention him. I mean, he's the Bell Glade native, he was at Paradise Camp. Um, you know, uh, he's talking about returning for an official visit. Miami has two cornerbacks committed. I think they would take a third if it was the right guy, and I think Brian George kind of kind of fits that bill. I do think if you're Brian George, you kind of look at Miami's situation. You got DJ Ivy, you got Al Blades. I mean, I know they're not lighting the world up, but those are both young guys. And then you have two freshmen playing behind them. So I think it could be a little bit difficult to get him. Uh, so let's mention him. And then Ruben Hippolyte, who you touched on earlier, has been to back-to-back games. So with all those all those names considered, I mean, right now, to be honest, I, I wouldn't crystal ball anyone uh, to Miami. I'm not ready to to call or project anyone to Miami, which is fine. I mean, there's right. still 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 some ways to go. Who knows? Florida could start losing games. Miami could pick up some traction with Isaiah Walker. I do think if they want this Douglas Emmeline kid, I, I, dude, we're we're, I mean, we're going to get killed for, for mis- mispronouncing his name. Um, you know, he's probably one who I could see kind of them making a move on relatively fast. Uh, Jalen Harrell, you know, that's probably going to go till December. So. I don't know. Do I have to give odds or can I just say I'm not I'm not I don't think anyone I'm not ready to call anyone coming to Miami just yet. So you're going with Douglas Emilian. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> All right. So not you, what, 
Which Go is ahead. not what people want to hear. I mean, that's not what people want to hear. <laughs> well, it, you're answering the question I asked, though. But I, I do think I think do think they have they're in it with Marlon Martinez more than people think. Okay, interesting. So yeah, I guess moving on to 2021. Obviously, we've touched on this a little bit um, earlier this week on the Five Rings podcast. But quarterback 2021 quarterback Jake Garcia, who you know will likely probably be a consensus five star when all things are said and done. Committed to USC, uh, the product of you know, dominoes falling in the quarterback position with a USC 2020 commit flipping to Bama. Uh, is there anything new there, Andrew, uh, with Miami making a move on it? I mean, it's still 2021 and it's still a long ways away. Um, are they honing in on anyone or are they just no. going to let things uh, play out? I think they're going to let things play out. Um and I, I said this on the Five Rings podcast. I mean, let's not forget, Miami has a quarterback that they like a lot, committed in Tyler Van Dyke, yes. who is, is talented. He's going to be here in January. You redshirt him. You, you create two years of separation between him and Jaron Williams. Uh, I, I don't think Miami's going to make a move on these quarterbacks now. I mean, I, I did kind of glance at the numbers. I think 15 of the 20 top-ranked quarterbacks in the class of 2021, according to 24-7 Sports, are already committed to uh schools but if there's one position where there's a ton of, of shuffling kind of that it, it is quarterback i mean that happens every year uh, i don't think miami's going to be really into a rush to to kind of make a move on a quarterback one name i will kind of bring up and mention is the top uncommitted guy is preston stone he's out of uh somewhere in a school in dallas it should be noted that he's actually one of the first 2021 quarterbacks that Danny knows offered when he took the job at Miami. Um, he's drawn some comparisons to Johnny Manziel, which don't really seem to fit uh, Enos's system. But I mean, Enos has seen this guy throw, so he'd it'd be interesting to see if they kind of try to get involved there. I think he's got some family that plays at SMU for a while. Our, our insiders uh, in that in that Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex had kind of thought. It was an SMU-Texas battle, but I think Texas already has their 2021 quarterback committed. So um, that's one name I will throw out there that maybe Miami gets involved with that quarterback. And then another 2021 domino that fell, I guess, was local offensive lineman Marcus Tate. He committed to Clemson this week. Um, tell me this. like It's always a big deal. When you don't get the quarterback you want, like Jake Garcia. But is this, does this one hurt more, the fact that Marcus Tate is going to Clemson? Yeah, I mean, dude, I think it does. Like, we put it, we put it like this. Look at Miami's two best offensive linemen on the roster, right? It's Navon Donaldson and it's DeLon Scaife, right? And those were right. two local guys that Miami just found a way to get. I mean, maybe right. those two, like, and I think the thing is... Marcus Tate is probably the best uh, tackle prospect in the class of 2021. So you were never going to beat Clemson for him. I mean, once Clemson comes in, Clemson kind of gets who they want. But it just sucks that they're coming down here and getting this kid, if that makes sense. And it's a kid that you have um, got on campus, I think it was like, like over eight times in the past two years. So I know there was some chatter on Twitter about it being a whiff. It's not really a whiff. It just... It's a big blow in my eyes if you're Miami just because you kind of have to bank 
on keeping the, the local linemen home because South Florida doesn't produce that many legit offensive linemen. Right. No, I agree. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I guess also uh, 2021 uh, safety. Who's probably gonna? Is he a five star now, or he will end up oh, being yeah, a five star? Yeah, he's a five star. So James Williams, just a massive safety, athletic for his size. Taylor Mays clone, maybe. Yeah, I think he he reminds me too of of Ray Ray Armstrong. Um, yeah, I use that day. comparison. Yeah. So yeah, he named a top five. Tell us about it. <laughs> well, it's an interesting one, huh? I mean, I, I, I'm just putting it out there because Miami is in it. Uh, it's Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Auburn, and Miami. That's his top five. This is the kid who's at Davy Western. He was at uh, initially Monsignor Pace, played his sophomore year at Fort Lauderdale American Heritage, Mike Rump's old school. Um, so he, he was committed to Miami for a while. Then he decommitted, I think it was in May, has visited a ton of these schools. I mean, I think... He's probably going to end up at, if I had to guess, Georgia. I think that's that's the team to beat. If it's not Georgia, then it's going to be Clemson or Alabama. But I did find it interesting that he put Miami in his top five just because I think, I mean, it, w- it would have been very easy to leave them off that list. So I think there is, I don't know why, but I do, I do get a sense and a feeling from him that there is some connection to Miami and, and Diaz and Ephraim yeah. Banda and Demarcus Van Dyke. It's just kind of weird, right? I mean, you've gotten that vibe from him in the past too, right? Like, I'm not I saying did, yeah. like Miami's going to sign him, but there's it was. I don't know. I feel like he's just going to be one that we're going to be talking about for the next 18 months or whatever, just because he does legitimately have interest. He does. I I agree. He does legitimately like Miami, and I think, as you mentioned, he does like Manny Diaz and Ephraim Banda. Uh, but you know, look, Miami's going again. Get- against some heavyweights and in, in the, on the recruiting trail to land him. And, you know, unless Miami really turns things around on the field, I think it's going to be tough to, to land a guy like James, but you gotta, you gotta try like you're Miami. You have to land these guys if you're going to turn things around. So Manny Diaz, Ephraim Banda got to keep taking swings on him. I think. All right, David, let's shift kind of, to some some team talk i know it is a bye week uh but we probably talked pretty much too much about recruiting if you're still listening you obviously love recruiting <laughs> um we we teased it a little bit earlier zach mcleod uh obviously listens to this podcast because now he's going to redshirt after mandy diaz initially said that he was too important to the team um a necessity and not a luxury so he didn't play against central michigan now apparently he approaches staff and says he wants to redshirt this is good news for Miami in 2020, correct? Yeah, no, I think, you know, I wrote about it on the site today, but, you know, if you just project uh, the guys who are supposed to come back next year, um, it looks good pretty much everywhere except linebacker. But now with Zach McLeod there, it looks like a fairly complete defense that Miami will have in 2020. Um and, you know, that's assuming you never know how it goes, but that's assuming how that like John Garvin comes back and Trajan Bandy comes back. Um, so if that is the case, man, I think the defensive line looks better next year than it does this year because you got the young defensive tackles continuing to develop um, and they should be ready to go next year. And then I think the secondary uh, being more experienced 
2020, they're going to be a better group next year as well. So in my mind, this move made sense for all parties. That's kind of why we brought it up in the first place. Like it benefits Zach McLeod if he wants to pursue an NFL career and it benefits Miami's roster management. So to me, it was a no brainer win win. And, uh, you know, it was the right call to make. It is. It is. And uh, I think it was Daniel Gold on Twitter. Um, he kind of did some advanced statistics and film breakdowns. Just going to give him a shout out. He pointed out that Miami's, um, you know, it's going to be hard to pr- replace Romeo Finley, uh, Mike Pinckney, Shaq Quarterman. But next year, if your starting linebacker group is Zach McLeod, Sam Brooks, and, and Gilbert Frierson, obviously Frierson's in that striker role. I mean, that's a pretty athletic group. Yeah. Uh, right. I mean, like I said, I think Miami was probably going to take a grad transfer linebacker. And now, like, I'm not as concerned at all about linebacker. We'll see how it goes. But if you told me three or four years from now that Zach McLeod is having a better NFL career than Shaq Quarterman or Michael Pinckney, I would believe it because I think athletically and just physical body type wise, McLeod is on another level from those two. Now, instincts, he's not quite on those guys' level at this point, but McLeod's a hard worker. He's a guy who will who will put in the time and effort to improve in those areas, and I think this move is going to really benefit him uh, as he pursues a professional career playing linebacker. Agreed, and it's funny you bring that up, giving out another shout-out here. Uh, Matt Doherty, Miami's former director of player personnel was on uh, the storm surge podcast right before the season. And he was talking about how he thinks Zach McLeod has the highest NFL ceiling. Miami's uh, staff has always kind of felt that way. So um, the thing is, he's just been kind of nagged with injuries all throughout his career. Yeah. Yeah, he has that wrist keeps popping up on him. Um, But it seems like that's now all taken care of. And, you know, I think even too, I mean, this is weird to say, but I think he's, even since like Dave Feely arrived, the new strength coach this offseason, I think he's even taken his uh, physique to another level this year. He just he looks like a dude at linebacker, like physically. He looks really good right now. Two, I guess one final thing I just want to hit on real quick. Uh, Patrick Joyner, uh, another linebacker. Miami initially kind of recruited him as a defensive end. Uh, now he's they moved him to linebacker in the spring, kind of when everyone got hurt. He's finally healthy. Uh, I think he broke his shin bone, which sounds extremely painful. Um, yeah. But Miami says he's practicing, probably going to be available against Virginia Tech. I mean, I don't wouldn't assume he's going to play. Um, you're not thoughts there, but I yeah. guess what kind of role can he kind of carve out? I think it definitely helps the depth. You know, he still probably has a ways to go in terms of being a guy who they can rely on defensively. But I think he will help the depth at at on special teams. You know, linebackers should definitely play on special teams. Um, one little going back to the Zach McLeod thing. So one interesting thing I thought that happened against Central Michigan was very briefly, uh, Mike Pinckney went down with an injury and had to come to the sideline. And the guy that they put out there was Darian Stevenson, who is a walk on uh they do like Darian Stevenson, but you know I thought that was interesting. They went with him over Sam Brooks. I think the play honestly didn't even end up happening. I think 
yeah. a penalty happened, and and so then Pinkney came back in. Um, but I thought that was interesting. You know, look, that's not ideal when a walk-on is your top backup at linebacker. So maybe uh, Joyner can fill that spot uh, moving forward if if something happens there. Uh, but, you know, obviously if it's worst-case scenario, they're going to throw McLeod out there. Um, but, yeah, going back to Joyner, he, sh- he showed some things in the spring. Like he did make progress at linebacker. And I think the coaches liked what they saw. Um, is he a guy that is going like I when I project next year, I will assume that the two starters will be Zach McLeod and Sam Brooks. Um, and I would probably even put Avery Huff ahead of yeah. um, Patrick Joyner. But, you know, there's something there. I think he can be a, a solid rotational middle linebacker. Agreed. Agreed. I do. I would put Avery Huff above him. I will say uh, I was talking to someone inside the program before one of these recent games. I can't remember which one. And Avery Huff walked by and they said, I wish you could see this guy in practice. He's the yeah. real deal. So they seem to be pretty excited about him. Obviously, he's taking a academic red shirt, but he does kind of look all yoked up standing man. there on the sidelines. He's going to fill out nice, man. Like he is long. He's taller than I thought. Like he looks a legitimate 6'2", maybe even pushing 6'3". And he's going to fill out him and Sam Brooks, honestly, are go, are going to fill out nicely a year from now. They're going to look like totally different guys. Just criminally underrated, both of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last last little thing. That's the Silvera. I think was he back at practice on? Yeah, or I guess it was last week. Or what's the deal there? Yeah. So, OK, from what we could see, uh, so, yeah, Nesta returned to practice, running around, you know, just doing some athletic movement type stuff out at practice. No hitting, nothing like that, going into the Central Michigan game. So a week later, uh, which was Wednesday, we got one availability this week as the media. Uh, Nesta was doing a little bit more out there, you know, still running around. He's moving well. There's no, like, limp out there or anything. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think when the injury happened, the target date was sometime in October. And I think best case scenario was the Virginia Tech game on October 5th. So I think it's too soon to say if if that's going to happen. But I do think, you know, maybe the Virginia game on October 11th or, or certainly the Georgia Tech game, I would expect to see Nesta, you know, working his way back into the rotation. I don't think he's a guy that they're going to just instantly give 30 snaps. I think it'll be a slow you know, maybe 10 snaps the first game he's, he comes back and see how he looks. And if he does well, they'll, they'll give him more snaps. So I think that's that's definitely something that Miami needs is is more a, a defensive tackle that can bring more of a pass rushing element. And in my mind, Nesta has the best skill set to do that of the defensive tackles that are currently on the roster and ready to play. One quick question, and then we'll kind of wrap it up. I don't want to go too long here. Um, Manny talked about team the team needing some leaders. Uh, I think it was in that media yeah. session you were talking about. You know, some. Do you ever do you get the sense or feel that Nesta's kind of one of those guys? I mean, I know yeah. he's he's kind of like an a hole as like a person to the media, uh, but he does seem to be very active on the sidelines, cheering on his teammates. They elected to bring him to. 
that that game in Orlando when he was out. But I think get him getting him back in that defensive huddle probably helps that department. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be the, the complete voice, but I do in a way think that would be back, be good just getting him back in full pads. He definitely has some leadership qualities, and he definitely has that kind of old-school Miami Hurricane mentality that the fans love. So, yes, he does have that in him, but you got to be able to show it on the field first. Like, you got to be a productive player, I think, before you can kind of take on that leadership role. So, hopefully, when he does get on the field, he can produce, and and he can be one of those guys for this defense. All right, you got any? Anything else or what? Are we wrapping this thing up? That's good. I guess I'm excited to watch. I think not great uh, what are you, games. Yeah. What but, are you gonna uh, do this weekend on the bye? On the bye, Virginia, Virginia, Notre Dame. I think you know it'll be an opportunity to get a good look at Virginia, and then I think Virginia Tech plays Duke. Is that right? Um, so no yeah, idea. I mean, I think that'll be a nice little look at Virginia Tech too, going into going into Miami's next game. So. That's what I'll be doing. ACC football. Nice. Do you have the ACC network yet? Were you part of the AT and T? Are you you're you're a cord cutter? I forgot. I have. Yeah, I've had it. I've had YouTube TV, and I was lucky. So, yeah. Do you have it now? No, I'm still in the Comcast. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's yeah. good. It's a good channel. So hopefully you'll get it soon. <laughs> I guess. All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up here. Till next time, uh, make sure you stay locked to the site, miami.247sports.com. You can also hit Inside the U on uh, Google and, and find it. I'll be up in Jacksonville on Friday, going to watch Chance Williams and Jalen uh, Rivers take on FSU quarterback uh, commit uh, Jeff Sims. So stay tuned to that. And I'm sure David's going to have plenty of content here over the next few days. Take care, guys.